seven days a week. Smodco Internet Television pumps out new content like a porn star. On Mondays, Comic Head pummels you with profanity-laden comic book reviews. Tuesdays, Smarchive takes you into the Wayback Machine with great moments in Smystery. Wednesday, Jay flexes his journalistic prowess with Muse News. Thursday, things get animated with the Smodco Cartoon Show. Friday, Kevin and Jen bring you the morning show and tell straight from their living room. Saturday, relive a hilarious clip from Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. And Sunday, Kev and Ralph goes Holly Weird on Bit O Babble. Smodco Internet Television. Bookmark us, bitch. YouTube.com slash CSMOD. Smodco is on the road, and here are the latest dates. June 9th, Kev and Jay hit the Albuquerque Comic Expo. Also on June 9th, Ralph and a special guest host will babble the fuck on at the Lovitz. June 14th, an evening with Kevin Smith at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Chicago. The remaining Saturdays in June, Kev and Ralph skewer Tinseltown with Hollywood Babylon at the Lovitz. July 14th, HBO goes to San Diego at the House of Blues during Comic-Con weekend. August 11th, HBO returns to the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano, California. August 17th, Kev and Moj bring Smodcast to the Aladdin Theater in Portland. And August 24th, Kev and Jay get their geek on at Fan Expo Canada in Toronto. Dates, showtimes, venues, and links to tickets for these and all Smodco shows can be found at csmod.com. For almost two decades, Kevin Smith's been making movies. Now he wants to watch movies with you. On June 4th, Hulu proudly presents Spoilers, where movie lovers like yourself emerge from watching this summer's biggest blockbusters and give your two cents. Think Prometheus will smell like rotten eggs? Can the Dark Knight piss in the Avengers' Wheaties? There'll be special guests, Q&A, and a fuckload of movie love. Spoilers, a new Hulu original series coming June 4th. At Smodco, we're all full of shit, and we want you to buy our shit. View askew shit at redbankstash.com. Smodco shit at smodcast.com slash smerchandise. No shit. This is Kelly Carlin, and uh, welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Are you looking for peace of mind? You won't find it in your status line. Are you trying to prove? Whose mountain are you trying to
So nice. Uh, Alan Stone, contact high, really. And I swear that's all we've done today. There's been no passing of anything here. Uh, there's, there's, there's no, um, marijuana in within 20 yards of us. Okay. Maybe 10 yards. I don't really know what's the distance to my house. Uh, but, uh, Alan Stone from Washington, Seattle. Seattle, uh, Logan Heftel, our fine engineer, music director, man of uh, many hats here, uh, brought us that today. And, and, and hey, everyone, welcome back to my show. Or should I welcome myself back? I don't know. Are you welcoming me back? Or am I welcoming you back? I don't know. It's very confusing. I don't know the etiquette. I'm new at this. Uh, I've only been doing it for a year or so. Uh, and no one trained me on that exact point. Uh, I've been gone. I've been, I'm sorry. I, I apologize deeply. Um, but I have no guilt. I don't feel guilt anymore. I don't do that. I do shame, self-hatred, uh, but I don't do guilt. Uh, I've been busy. I've been doing my show. I was in Portland. I was in LA doing my show. I was doing something else, but all important things. And the reasons I couldn't do it is because I do my show on Thursdays and then I do this show on Thursdays. And, and that's really silly. I need to probably change that. Um, speaking of changes, I feel a change coming. I am getting antsy, uh, not quite sure what I want to do about the podcast, not quite sure what's happening with it. I, I just don't know. I'm in transition. But when am I not in transition? Like really, like when I go to a lunch with a girlfriend, I'm always like, oh my God, I'm going through so many changes. Like when the fuck wasn't I going through changes? Like, when? And I guess that's good because it means I'm not dead, uh, which is a really good thing. You know, that's the thing about my chin hairs. I've completely reframed my chin hairs. <laughs> Because my chin they are that bad, true. I reframed my chin hairs because I get very mad because I plucked them all. And then I'm like, oh, good, they're plucked for a while. And then like driving in the car today, I'm like, oh, that little fucker's back. And then I have to reframe it because instead of getting mad at the chin hair, I'm like, you know what? If I didn't have chin hairs, it means I'd be dead. <laughs> because it means my body is just alive and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Growing shit. On my chin, though, I'm not quite happy about that. Uh, here's something else I'm not happy about Facebook. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, I've been discussing this. Uh, I just, I'm kind of done with it. I'm over it. I love it in the sense that great. Okay. I can talk to some people and I can let people know about where I'm at and what I'm doing, but here's what I did. I binged friended for like two years. I, I didn't say no. I didn't portion out my intake. 
I wasn't discerning about what I was putting into my friend box. No, I just said yes. Yes, yes. Oh, what's your name? Where are you from? Who are you? I don't know. I don't care. Yes, come be my friend. Now I have 4,000 friends and I feel slightly insane. I feel like I might need some sort of pharmacological drug, that or I just need to get rid of all the friends, which is what I'm doing. So <clears throat> here's the deal. Oh, uh, if you don't know me in person, and uh, <laughs> that's not many of you at this point, uh, you just have to go to my like page. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And I can't, I can't tell you how hard this is for a codependent. I'm very codependent. This is very hard for me. I have, I kind of like went to bed feeling guilty last night that I was even plotting this. And, uh, and then I get wake up and I have nice people on my Facebook wall saying, Hey, I get it. Like, you know, you don't need fucking 3000 douchebags, you know, uh, bothering you and inviting you to things and tagging you in tagging you in the weirdest things. Like someone says, like, I'll get a notice saying I've been tagged in a photo. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I was tagged in a photo. Am I in it? No, it's not even a photo. It's a, a poster of some, their kids, you know, Girl Scout cookie jamboree. I don't know what it is. And they've tagged me in it. And I'm like, I don't know you. Why would you tag me in this? And I, I live 3000 miles away. I can't even come to your Girl Scout cookie jamboree thing. If that's even a thing. Um, so I, I'm, kind of <laughs> I'm trying to reestablish a healthy relationship with Facebook. I'm not going to do what I did with my first marriage, which was just walk away and never speak to him again. No, I'm going to renegotiate. I'm going to re I, I, I'm I'm in marriage counseling around my my Facebook thing. Me and Facebook are in, the, in marriage counseling together. And we we've come to an understanding and the understanding is I need some space. I just need some space. I need some space, I need some time, I need a little, you know, yes, that kind of thing. Um and, you know, maybe I need to date some other social media. I don't know. So, uh, so that's my thing. And I know a lot of people are feeling this because it's kind of in the air. Like I read an article about Facebook today and they're like, oh, people like young kids, 13 year olds, like when you're 13, you can join Facebook. That's the age. 13 year olds are not joining the Facebook. No, their, their older brothers and sisters are on there and they're like, mm, kind of over it. This does not bode well for Mr. Zuckerberg and his IPO, which also didn't go very well, did it? Well, it did for him and his friends. Well, that's a whole nother show. Uh, we won't be doing that today. Uh, so I'm excited about our show and, uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, uh, hopefully <laughs> because we have a lot of time to fill today. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. Uh, what else is going on? Wait, hold on. Let me catch up in my brain here. What else do I need to talk about? Uh, that's it. Oh, oh, here it is. I do have another show next week. I do not have anyone booked. We may be doing this again next week. I don't know <laughs> because this is way more fun than anything else I've done lately. Uh, and I've just been too busy to book people. And like I said, I'm kind of up in the air about the show. I don't know what direction I'm going with it. I, I love having, uh, people on and having in-depth conversation, but I, I just don't know what I'm doing and I, I don't know. So, um, so next week I, I have a show, but then after that, June gone, uh, rest of June, no shows because I'm away. I'm going places, people. I am going places. This is my new theme of my life. I'm going places. My life is an escalator. It's very exciting. I'll be in Chicago for my birthday. June 15th, I'm playing the Just for Laughs Festival. Uh, Carlin Home Companions coming to Chicago. I'm very excited. I haven't been there since I was a wee little thing. My memory is of being three years old and it was Halloween. And my dad was hanging out with his comic friend, Uncle Dirty. 
if anybody knows Uncle Dirty, uh, it's he's old school, old school Chicago comedy, and he plays a horn. And I, I have a picture of me and Uncle Dirty. Uh, no, he wasn't dirty. Uh, pl- Uncle Dirty's playing a horn, and I'm listening, and I'm in this like little snow outfit, and it's very cute. Uh, that's my memory of Chicago. I've not been as an adult, so I'm very excited to go to Chicago for a few days and get the Chicago thing. Uh, I'm a Midwesterner at heart. I'm a Dayton, Ohio-born girl. I've got Dayton in me somewhere, and uh, so I'm excited to talk to and meet and hang out and have some good... I believe it's deep dish pizza I'll be eating there. Yes, deep dish pizza. Yes, very different than the New York pizza and certainly different than the California pizza. And uh, I'll be doing my show at something called Up Comedy, which is a very nice little club. Looks lovely. Really looks very nice. Kind of art deco-y, kind of lovely. And uh, then I'm, I'm flying home from that. And two days later, I go to Bonnie, Scotland for 11 straight days and you people will not hear me, see me. There will not be a twit, tweet, twat out of me. For 11 days, I am unplugging from the godforsaken internet and maybe checking my email twice just in case so the house doesn't burn down or something. Skyping, Skyping the dog sitters, and that's about it. And when I say dog sitters, I mean dog sitters because we're gone for 11 days. You can't ask a single person to do 11 days. It's beyond cruel. Although my dogs are pretty good. Uh, so we'll be having uh, a parade of dog sitters in <laughs> to the McCall house. Yes, the McCall house here. Uh, so yes, I'll be in Scotland at Perthshire. Uh, my friend has a 40 acre estate. I'll be really slumming it. It's going to be really tough. Private chef, uh, our own private golf course on the property, two tennis courts and a swimming pool. How sleep 16? Yeah, I know. You're feeling very sorry for me right now. Yeah, all my friends just walked out. They hate me now. Um, I'm very excited. My friend, uh, it's really nice to have really extremely super wealthy friends. <laughs> uh, what can I say? I don't have that kind of wealth, but uh, some friends do, and it's very lovely. So uh, very excited because here's the deal about Scotland. I am basically Scotch-Irish. My dad was full Irish. Uh, my mother was Scotch-Irish. I'm not quite sure what that means, but she, I never really got her lineage. Um her people were the Cook family that came over in the 1800s, uh, so very kind of UK. So all that whole rock, that whole Ireland, Scotland, UK rock is all of my DNA. And 10 years ago, when I first visited Scotland to visit my very lovely friend who's got the largest state, uh, we were flying over the countryside. You know, you're, you're coming down to, to land at Edinburgh, and um, I saw those green rolling hills and the patches. And I, the only way I can describe it is if you imagine – all the DNA in your whole body are like little arrows on a compass. And then they all went boink and pointed all in the same direction. And it was like, oh, home. I get it. And my dad had said when he went to Ireland, that's Ned barking. Ned wants to go too. When my dad said he went to Ireland in, I think it was the 80s, uh, he had never understood the word home until he went to Ireland. And when I went to Scotland, I'm like, oh, I get it now. Hello. So I'm going home, going home for 11 days. And so with that, we're going to play a little song here. And uh, then we come back, we're going to introduce the octagon table and tell Ned to shut the fuck up and uh, have a nice, fun little discussion. Uh, Logan, what do you have for us? Oh, we have Lorraine by Tracy Newman. Hmm, it's a clue to what's going on here today.
Just a toothpick of a girl was making the whole world laugh. Live from New York every Saturday night for a solid gold hour and a half. Blinded by the lights and the backstage drama, never knowing the extent of her fame. Till late one night in the lobby of the Plaza, John Lennon shouted out her name, Lorraine. Lorraine. If you could see yourself now that the dust has settled after all your stumbling. Rising from the rubble, you'd be so glad you're you. If you could see yourself as I do. Now I'm watching you watch your two girls swimming as you bask by the pool in the sun. You bring up your hand to shade your eyes, gently caution your little one. Now they're begging you to jump into the pool. You get up and walk slowly to the side. Turn your back to the water, lift your eyes to the sky. Fall straight back with your arms open wide, Lorraine. Lorraine. If you could see yourself now, such a natural mother, like you hopped out of one life into another, you'd be so glad they have you. That is the fabulous. No, that is the fabulous Tracy Newman singing Lorraine. There was one little note there at the very end. Ding! That I didn't catch. Uh, you've, Tracy's been on my show. Lorraine's been on my show. You've heard that song. I love that song. It's so sweet. What a lovely thing for a sister to do for another sister. I don't have a sister. 
I'm okay. I'm fine. I'll be fine, really. It'll be fine. So today I have the octagon table. Very fun. Love this part of my life because I invite friends over and we just shoot the shit, which is fabulous. So I'm going to start on my immediate left here and introduce (laughs) Chris Bono with two N's. Yes. Hi, Chris. Hey. Hey, uh, Chris, so tell us a little bit about what's going on right now. You got some shit going on this week. It's crazy, man. I know, man. Um, I'm auctioning off the Conan O'Brien painting that I did with him, uh, uh, the painting of him with his shirt off, looking like he was uh, kind of an anorexic uh, Twilight cast member. (laughs) like, hello. (laughs) Called Sexy Coco. It's a painting that was on TeamCoco.com in the number one spot as a fan art from all my Facebook supporters. (laughs) Thank you. And now uh, I'm uh, auctioning off. Uh, half of the proceeds go to the um, uh, Red Cross to help the Kentucky victims rebuild um, their hometowns uh, that it got demolished, and the rest goes to rebuild my self-esteem. <laughs> yes. And where can where can people find that? Gosh, they can go to eBay and type in "sexy cocoa." There you go, uh, uh, Conan O'Brien, Kentucky. Okay, uh, and they should be able to find it. It is being auctioned off tomorrow night at eight thirty. It's that we've eight thirty Pacific time. Thirty Pacific time. Yeah. Okay, and it, the, the starting bid is a thousand dollars. Thousand bucks. We got a bid on it, so and we have a bid. So it's the the pump is primed, uh-huh. people. A thousand people are looking at it. So jump on there. Yeah, fight them. I'm going to see a fight. Yeah, it's very exciting, and and the money goes to an amazing thing, and I can't even imagine. Now, do you have a connection with Kentucky? I have friends that live there uh, and uh, people I work with, and and I actually had kind of a bad week. It was a little bit, I was a little down, and and some friends had moved out there, and I checked up on them and found that they were fine. But they were, but uh, the way he described it was that twenty miles uh, above him and mm-hmm. below him, north and south of him, were demolished. Wow! And so I, I was just like one of those. I'm a cancer, so I'm kind of emotional. So I was like that. <laughs> what about with them? What can I do? Yeah. And they were like, what can I do? Well, I can, uh, I got some food in the fridge. How do I send that? Yes. So I thought, well, maybe they this, didn't want your yogurt. What's the best thing that I have? Like the, that is the most yes. out there thing that I could, uh, kind of sacrifice or put up or, or maybe generate some interest from. Mm. And it was the Conan painting. It was like, maybe it's time to let Conan go. Yeah. And for, for a great cause. And yeah. in general, people should check out your, your amazing artwork and painting that you do. And Thank where, you. what's the website that they can do that at? Uh, it's at bonofiedart.com, which is a little funky. So if you go to chrisbono.com, we'll guide you to it. There you go. And, and your, and your style is so unique, so amazing. Thank I, you. I have, uh, Tom Laughlin, Billy Jack, right, sitting right behind, uh, Chris's head and Aaron's head right now, who, uh, you just, it's such a vibrant, amazing, just look you have at the Thank world. You. And, and I, honestly, I paint these paintings. Uh, for people like real when i'm painting i paint so that i really enjoy it yes well where it's hello like, ah, 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 ah. So a little bit of like baby <laughs> a going little pain, away a little pain away, yeah which is, which is great though that's I mean, beautiful just, well, we, it, it I makes can, me laugh or smile and i can feel the I love you will too. i can feel the love in, in the work because of that you know it's it's beautiful thank you very much and have a tv show called electric bono land on youtube now that i just started yeah you guys gotta check out electro bono land it's um it's the best thing ever it makes me smile happiness uh because it is uh it's pure goofy and and it and and this is something that i don't say a lot but and i don't use this a lot but it's the kind of thing that i would have sent my dad because i would have said you gotta check this shit out thanks yeah because this man is sick (laughs) i'm gonna just have to go home and fall over now electric i'm not saying he'd like it i would just send it to him that's weird man (laughs) 
I've hung out with Uncle Dirty, and I, I mean, this is what? So we have Chris Bono on the panel today. Uh, we also have the most gorgeous, beautiful, fantastic, purple-shirted Aaron Brown with us today. Hi, Cal. Hi, darling. What's up with you? Where do you, you just did something big, something with a wiffle ball or something? I know that sounds a little painful. I did something, yes. I did a red carpet uh-huh. for my web series, Hot on the Red Carpet. Yes. And I did a, um, a, Reggie Sanders is a former MLB player. He played for someone in Arizona. Cardinals, and, I would believe that would be. No, yeah, maybe. Diamondbacks? Oh, maybe, yeah. Perhaps. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Clearly, we're so into baseball, he, you and I. I am, but not Arizona, <laughs> no, apparently. No. Uh, he has a foundation for autism. Oh. And so there was a benefit there. And I got to interview some of the players. I actually got um, coached by a former Cubs player, Ooh. which was really exciting on my red carpet. And then Reggie slid into it, <laughs> which was a first. It was really, really fun. It was for a good cause. And um, the best was when we were in the uh, the suite, the player suite. Like, I don't know a lot of these guys. Right. Not all, you know, they played a while ago. And uh, the one person I, I introduced myself to, I'm like, oh, hi, who are you? He's like, I'm Reggie Sanders. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> the guy whose like, name is everywhere. The guy. Mm, the that's guy. the show. Well but done, Aaron. Very cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but it's been good. I've been busy. I've been writing and performing and good. actually uh, co-hosting a new radio show. You are. Tell yes. us. Uh, with Jason Duty. I, I love think you Jason know. Duty. Yes. It, I just took over as the co-host and nice. uh, we'd love to have you all on the show. Oh my God. It'd be so fun. Yeah. Um, the Jason Duty show, which we're probably going to change that. Yeah. You're going to need to change that. To brown Duty. Yeah. I mean, because that's really what it's all about is it Brown is. Duty. We got to talk about crap. <laughs> but, you know, so... Um, that's Tuesdays on uh, Global Voice Broadcasting. Oh, lovely! Yeah, yay! Yeah, I'm excited. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, and welcome, uh, welcome to the uh, the table again. Thanks. Here. Good to be here. Nice to have you. And then uh, continuing on around the table, we have the fine and fabulous Dylan Brody. Hello, Kelly Carlin. May I call you Kelly Carlin? Uh, you may. Yes, you. that that I would answer to that. Okay. Uh, I answer to many things, but that would, I'll be calling you Kelly Carlin. That would. Be- and I want to thank you for accepting me into your friend box. <laughs> You've been in my friend box for a while. I have. Yeah, and, you have. Uh, yeah. And I've never I've never felt more at home. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And what are you up to these days, uh, Mr. Dylan? I'm Rudy? maintaining a very heavy schedule, masturbating and weeping. Yes. And yes. Uh, but, but t- tell us something new that you're doing. Uh oh well there's the uh uh I'm gonna be on the East Coast doing the Girl Scout cookie jamboree. I was very disappointed to see that you untagged I'm, yourself I'm from sorry, the poster. I did, I know. I, it was too much for me. I uh, it looks like I may be doing a play this summer in town. In the meantime, my play, What I Wrote, is opening in the fall uh, at the Strand Theater in Baltimore. So I'm going east uh, late in the summer. And who's directing that? Uh, I believe Rain Pryor I will believe, be directing that. Uh, another family member here. Uh, and so I'm I'm scheduling a whole bunch of East Coast tour time oh, cool. around that. Good. Uh, and that'll wind up on October 5th. In Western Massachusetts at Northfield Mount Hermon with uh, More Arts, Less Marshall. Oh. And I'm doing monthly uh, Dylan Brody's Thinking Aloud at the Fake Gallery. Those are fun. Thank you. Those I, are fabulous. I enjoy them my own self. Yeah, and they're great. And and I love it because it's uh – it's a it's a it's a healthy dose of things, but it's not too much. You know what I mean? You have a great way, way of producing, and uh, you you bring amazing people together. I like to not have a show that runs way too long. Yes, that's that's all I do to produce. Is I go, yeah, that's going to be too long. That's all I do. It's good though. I like um, it. leave them wanting a little more. I like it. But I have thus far had wonderful, wonderful people on it. I have not yet had Chris Bono or Aaron Brown. But that's likely to change. That will be likely to and change. And as I bring in more music, there's a chance that I can convince Logan Heftel to do it. 
Although um, Logan is a little worried about uh, being near me at any time. Oh, well, he's he's about 10 feet away right now, yeah, but he, I think he's doing okay. I believe that's his comfort zone. His anxiety me. level looks pretty low yeah. right now. He's okay. Um, he's, I, I am a big fan of his music. Yes. I don't know if you know that he is, uh, in addition to being the musical director for this show, he's a fine musician, his own self. I, and I believe my listeners know that too, because uh, I do play a lot of him on excellent. here. Excellent. Yes. Good. Yes. That is fine. And you also have been blogging a lot lately. I am trying to make a habit of blogging. I've recently, somebody gave me Jenny Lawson's book and it inspired me to start blogging. Now, what is the name of this book? Jenny Lawson's book is, uh, let's pretend this never happened. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's, you know, it's the same sort of stuff that I write and perform. Right. Only, uh, she's significantly younger than I am, I suspect, because she, uh, she says things that are awesome a lot. Um, <laughs> But uh, she's very funny, and I was reading her book and giggling, and I know that uh, that grew out of her blogging. Uh. And I thought, I should, you know what? I should just start doing it. So if you go to dylanbrody.com, you can read my blog. Fairly recently, I wrote a, a significantly lengthy blog about who? Chris Bono. And uh, <laughs> it's it's very incestuous around this table right now. I'm, I'm feeling it. It's um, little, it's and may I say again, thank you for letting me into your friend box. <laughs> Speaking of incest. <laughs> Dirty. But um bum. Uh and uh yes, I did know Uncle Dirty. You I did. He he worked at the improv at the same time that I when I got into the improv when I was seventeen, he was one of the regulars there. Wow. And he had stand up material based on Kafka. He had <laughs> uh and he used to close with a piece where he would suddenly start seeing dead comics at the back of the room. Oh, wow. He would see, oh, it's Lenny Bruce and Freddie Prinze. Hey, wait, guys, wait, I want to be in the parade. Wow. And he would wind up, he would close his set by following them off into the distance. Wow. And it was sort of heartbreaking and wonderful and not particularly funny. Yeah. And I loved him. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of performance art. Yeah. Like, yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Well, welcome to the table again. Well, thank you for having me. I thought there was going to be poker. Yeah, that'll be later. Okay. Uh, and Welcome to your friend, uh, friend box, my friend box. He's been in the friend box for a while. And then our 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 our, our final, but last but not least, guest is um, uh, actually the spouse of someone who was uh, here last time at the Octagon table. Uh, we had Chad Einbinder here, and uh, his wife has decided to join us today. The fabulous, spectacular, delicious Lorraine Newman. Oh, thank you. You know, now, Chad is a lot funnier than me. I just have to put that out there. You know, he, he comes in with the fabulous zingers, the kind that make your body move. He actually, kind of he almost knocked Dylan off the chair last time. Yeah. And I, I've rarely seen Dylan react that way to something. Well, if I make you laugh, you'll you just nod. You No, it's, it's that kind of laugh. Oh, oh, every once in a while, Lorraine, you lay one down that okay. just makes me, I have to go into the other room and pee because oh. I might pee in my pants. Oh. That's so gratifying. She's very civilized. It's like the Emperor and the Nightingale. <laughs> I love that. It's true. And what have you been up to, Miss Lorraine? Well, you know, I had a really great experience earlier this week. I do the Garfield cartoon show. Oh. And the great uh, Frank Welker is on that show. And um, he taught me how to do a lion roar because <gasps> I was playing a little boy lion and the mother lion, and my voice was shot at the end of the session. Right. So he said, are you willing to put your head in a trash can? <laughs> I said, yeah. 
So he, he taught me how to do this where you put the trash can next to your head. Uh-huh. You put the microphone in front of you and then you, you tilt your head towards the trash can. Uh-huh. And then you do a snoring sound. Huh. You know, cause that does the growls. So right. it's like a. But, you know, with the trash can, uh-huh, it gives it more body to right, it. Right, right, right. And depth. it gives it the purring sound. Mm. And it really, it, it was amazing. And then, of course, he did it. And it was, I, I don't even know how to tell you how spectacular wow. it is. I mean, I don't know if many people know who Frank Walker is. I don't is. know who that is. Well, he's, uh, he's the voice of, uh, if, on Scooby Doo, he's the, the boy, you know, the guy, the cute guy. Uh-huh, the, I don't know, the blonde-haired the, cute guy. He's Fred on Scooby-Doo. He's the voice <laughs> right. of Abu the monkey in Aladdin. Oh, wow. Okay. He's like in Mars Attacks. He's the voice of the Martians. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, God, you know, in wow. every cartoon you have ever seen, he's, there. he's like the Mel Blanc right. of our day. Wow. He's in, in the cartoon world. Yeah. Just Google he's, him. Okay. Google him now. You, right. you, you just won't believe it. I, I could have made a cup of tea in the time I could scroll down his, his, his credits <laughs> right. in IMDb. Right. You could, you could make a, a meal. <laughs> Souffle. You know, how long his credits are. Wow. But, um, and also I'm doing a couple of benefits. I'm doing something for 826LA, which is, uh, an advocacy group, uh, literacy and, um, for underserved uh, mm. communities, started by Dave Eggers in San Francisco, oh, and there's yes, one in Hollywood, right, and there's one right. in Venice. <laughs> right. And this is uh, it's called Judd and Friends. It's Judd Apatow, and let me see, we, we've just been accumulating all sorts of great people, and I think we just got we've got it's Judd, John Bryan, Peter Frampton, Ray Romano, <gasps> Colin Quinn, Pee Wee wow. Herman. I think we got um, Bob Newhart. Wow. So it, it's just going to be a great show. <laughs> I, I, I believe I'm available that night. If you want. <laughs> wow. And That's then, amazing. And then I'm also doing a benefit for uh, called something like Laughter Aloud, and it's a Second City oh. show with Fred Willard and, you know, uh. Rachel Harris, all these incredible people. And me. And I'm nice. a groundling, so I'm kind of infiltrating. Well done. And uh, doing sketches. Um, so that ought to be a, a good thing. And it, it's for um, legal advocacy for children who have been abused. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, all good causes and coming. fun, fun nights. Fred yeah, Willard, um, I just... Uh, I just interviewed Robert Klein for my Sirius XM oh show. Boy. And it's actually going to be on this Sunday. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Uh, on Sirius XM. Uh, and he, we talked a lot about Second City and he talked about Fred Willard and how Fred was just this guy who could just do no wrong up there. Just always amazing. And I'm picturing these guys. They're like, you know, 20 and it's the beginning of Second City and they're there and, Oh, wow. When he was I, on my carpet, Fred Willard. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh. I, I knew he was an improv guy, so he was just ready to play. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah. much fun. Oh, I my stepped God. stepped on his foot once. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so always had to trump me. Before I knew Fred, I always You're thought fine. that what he did was accidental. Right. Uh, and, and he makes it look that way, he, which he, is he makes it look very what's so easy. unique about his style. Yeah. But, you know, it, now that I know him and have worked with him so many times, I realize that there is a real... You know, uh, and, and he would break the rules. Like that's what Robert <laughs> Klein was saying, you know, because there was these very specific rules. They were, and they did a lot of, of violas bowling, you know, mm-hmm. step work games. At, yeah, games. And, uh, Fred would, he would not do what they're supposed to be doing all the time. And yet 
fucking kill. Yeah. And it drove the director crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which I love because, you know, it shows you that I can teach you nothing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I am worthless He's to you. He's trouble. So, he, well, yes, he is trouble. Uh, so welcome everyone. So today's topic is imagination. Another nice, big, huge topic, but I thought I would start with a nice quote about imagination. Uh, by Victor Hugo, uh, he said, imagination is intelligence with an erection. <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> wow. I want to flip that idea. Yeah. So what do you, what is, what do you, you think that, that even means? Imagination is intelligence with an erection. I mean, I'm really trying to kind of parse out that interesting metaphor. Hmm. <laughs> It's it's sexy intelligence. Yeah. Well, it's the expansion of thought. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. It's really excited. That yeah. kind of smartness. Yeah. Lady boner. <laughs> Lady boner. A wide on. A wide on. Well, it doesn't engage my imagination. When I was in England, I met the lady boner. <laughs> yes. She was. She was a lovely woman. I miss you all. Yeah. Did she have any teeth? I, she. She had two. <laughs> she kept them in a small jar. I knew they were removable. I knew they were. <laughs> well, and I was thinking about this. Um, there's something about an erection that is uh, spontaneous, that it's is non non-volun- voluntary. It's uh, uh, it's passion. It's the a part of the brain that isn't. Uh, it's part of the instinctive. Yeah, yeah. instinctive. Yeah. It's pointy but soft. It aims at 45 degrees. <laughs> it, it, towards the sky, if you're lucky. A man may become an hourglass. He may become a, a sundial. A sundial. He, 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 a place for birds to perch. It reaches <laughs> to the heavens. Yeah. It ascends. Sundial? The perching. Oh. Something to perch on. Exactly. I was frightened. Yeah, not the sundial. That's yours. My women are the called s- birds. Mm. <laughs> In, in England. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, just uh, like each of our own process and imagination. You know, it's just a, the thing. One time, I, uh, one time, I, one time I went to the Venice Art Walk with my mom many years ago, and it was the first time I'd ever been to the Art Walk. And you know, you go into studios, and a lot of it's uh, visual art. Most of it is sculpture and paintings and. And that kind of stuff. And we spent a good two and a half, three hours walking through that neighborhood off of Abbott Kinney here in, in Southern California, in Venice, near the canals. And um, probably saw 20 different galleries, 20 different studios. And what it just struck me so much was that there were 20 complete and total unique universes that I had walked into. And that whatever the artist was obsessed with, was what they expressed. There was one woman who painted these paintings that were aerial views of not real cities, not real places, but they looked like maps of places, but they weren't quite maps. And it was like she was working, her psyche was working something out with that, Mm -hmm. you know? And then you go and you see something and someone's working with black and oils and yellow, and they've got 20 paintings of that, and they're working something out. And, and I just thought, wow. And this is before I had really stepped into my own place as an artist or if even, I was just still toying with the idea of like, oh, I have something inside of me that wants to get out. And it, it just gave me such permission to know that there's, 
there's this thing that has kind of a life of its own and, and it's using us in some way. And, and is that imagination? You just described an erection. To my mind, that's the difference between the individual artist and the entertainment industry Uh right there, is that the individual artist is working something out, is exploring a personal vision and a take on the universe, Right. whereas the entertainment industry is about sort of seeking a lowest common denominator, reach as many people as possible without threatening anybody, without challenging anybody, without exploring any really new ideas. Right, right. And uh, I think... uh, I think that entertainment is constantly striving to capture the imagination and art is constantly striving to set it free. Yeah. And mm. that's the tension there. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Michelangelo say when he would sculpt in, in stone or marble? Fuck he, my he, thumb! That's what he used to say a lot. <laughs> that too. Ow! But in Italian. But that he was releasing the sculpture that's inside. Right. Right. Inside, right. right. Yeah. E- exactly. And that there's, there's that that thing, that thing beyond the ego of the artist, even. Um, I think, though, for anybody, you know, you have this fantasy and that it's pleasing to make that actualized. It's, mm-hmm. That's just for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, what we do is it's fun to, uh, you know, bring this thing that you think of to life. And then it's really fun when other people go, yeah, I like that. Or, yeah, I see that, too, and that makes them laugh, you know? I think it's pretty fundamental. Yeah, and, and one of the things I've, I've certainly learned is that you have an idea about something or a feeling. Like, for me, it's always a bodily sensation. It, there's words involved. Like soda? Bottle? Uh, like bubbling? Or there's bubbling. There's definitely... Like, Chris, you're incorrigible. I, I, I am. There you is. are. There is. No, b- b- body. Bodily. Bodily. Yeah, not, okay. like, not like Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah. I got from the <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so you, it's like you have a a vision a thing it's but it's in this ideal form it's the idea of it and then you start to work on it whether mm-hmm. it's um and usually this happens with writing i think for the most part you sit down and you start to work on it and then something else happens some some other participant comes in and 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 is shaping and giving you ideas and you're going well i would have never thought of that sentence well now and now the piece is about this and now i need to go back to the beginning because the piece is actually about hawaii and and not about coconuts from from fiji and 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 so there's this uh, amazing other thing that happens what is that I think imagination is the little seed, the seedling, and then if you fertilize it, it starts to grow. And like you're saying, it's all it becomes its own thing, and it takes over. But you're talking about collaboration, right? No, no, like she's in, talking in, about like that a, moment of inspiration in my head. Like it just goes was, somewhere without was, your control. Yeah, I was five chapters into my first novel before I not the first one I ever read, the first one I wrote before I realized that the lead character was female. Wow. Um, I was trying to figure out why I had to, why do I need to explain all this stuff about the way this kid is thinking? This mm. is very comp, this is getting off. Oh, it's a girl. Oh. And once it was a girl, suddenly it all made sense. Wow. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, there's, I think. Is I that think, the muse? Is that the thing that feeds muse, us? It is the, the muse, definitely yeah. the muse. Yeah? Yeah, our, our opening yourself to the channel of the like the, that is the channel i mean orden uh, brings it up like about opening up so that you allow that that person give them the opportunity to have a voice right and 
but if, like you're saying, if you get a physical feeling and then it leads to a thought that leads to putting that into action, then you're starting to walk down the path of allowing that to take over. And then it just can go nuts, which is the best. Yeah. Part, part of the reason that, that the artistic process is so inherently anxiety producing and 80% of my therapy has been dedicated toward uh, me paying someone to remind me once a week that it's inherently anxiety producing. <laughs> Um, you can just call me and pay me the hundred bucks. As, okay. Uh, I, I thought you said that would not work. Um, uh, uh, but it's that you don't know where it's going to lead. Mm-hmm. You start out with something, you know, there's something there. And when you were saying, you know, there's these universe where these artists are working something out for themselves. Yeah. It's the artistic process is always about us working something out for ourselves. Yeah. And by spending time in that anxious place where we don't know where it's going, we don't know where it's taking us. And it's good. We are just hoping it's going to lead us somewhere interesting. Uh, and then eventually you find it out and you share it with people. Right. I think anxiety for me personally, a lot of times just gets in the way, you know, like it's, imagination inspires me to go. And then if I, it, it can go either way. Sometimes it shuts me down. And oh. then I'm like, Ugh. right. And then I walk away from it. Paralyzed. Then, you know, yeah, that's yeah. the worst. But then I, then I, if I don't get too crazy, I just know I need to walk away. Then and you come pay back somebody, fresh. you pay somebody for oh, 55 minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm going to agree with both of you to some degree because I, I found that you had, like, it's, it becomes like if you're going to pursue that, you're going to pursue being open to your creativity and then of doing it in the face of so many people going, like, I don't understand. I, you know, I mean, how can you do that? I mean, you probably don't make a living. But then there's that, there's those voices that float. And then there's the ones where, like, I am pursuing something. This is, I'm open to it, et cetera. You have to kind of learn to manage the anxiety or whatever is the block that gets in your way. Yeah. You know, um, like for me, it's money. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have a dollar. What is, uh, and I get stuck on that. And then after, after I've like managed that, you know, by calling five friends for Nick Leach, <laughs> then, <laughs> then, I'm like, then I'm like, I'm free. And I can run around and do whatever I want. You know? <laughs> there you it go. It sounds like hippie dippy, but like, I just try to come back to the joy, you know, that's and just literally, saying. cause that's what yeah. it's about. It's about the joy and <laughs> yeah. feeling good. And I don't care where it ends up. I mean, I do, but I pretend I don't. Right. right. Yeah. You, you have to kind of let go of the outcome in order to free yourself to be in the process of it. Yep. Unlike the entertainment industry, which is all about outcome, and then 10 people, a committee comes in and rewrites your script and you wonder why no one wants to see the movie. Right. <laughs> when we, were, we were doing improv uh, years ago in Austin and we'll do it like five nights a week. And I, we, it's not like, hey, we're the only ones on the planet. I mean, I had like uh, the, the, the uh, Something Wonderful Right Away book. So studying uh, about it to like, oh, my God, these people who I admire, like Alan Arkin. I had no idea mm-hmm. at that time that Alan Arkin had started out the second city and all mm-hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. But we were doing it and having so much fun thinking, how do you capture this? How do you capture this yes. on film? Yeah. Um, especially like we're talking about the industry where they're like, mm, no, I can't, we can't use that. How do, but I was so grateful uh, when, when uh, Whose Line started showing mm, up. Yeah. And those people shot for hours, mm. hours on end in order to, to, to do 30 to minutes. Do 30 right. minutes. Wow. And thankfully, they, they did manage to capture those lightning bolt moments, which we've all had oh, when yeah, we're yeah. doing improv. Yeah. We know that you get there. It's but magic. in order for that to happen, it had magic. to start at the BBC and be proven in a... It's true. In at a, the BBC. In a place right. where there's a little bit more guts about trusting artists. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. I always approach my writing like an improv. I never know what I'm going to write and, uh, I never know where it's going to go. The most anxiety I have is if I don't know what my rewrite is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, more often than not, I'll have a rewrite that I'm happy with. 
But if, if I'm often, if I'm told by others what the rewrite needs to be and I don't understand what they mean. Horrible. Yep. Uh, that's where the anxiety comes in. And especially if I agree with them. Right. So you know uh, something you know, is off. Yeah. But you're not quite sure what I it don't is. Know how to, you know, do what they're asking me to do. Yeah. And it's interesting because I found that I love the initial creation, you know, when I sit down and write and uh, the, the thing comes out and a lot happens to me, like I'll wake up at like 4.30 or 5 in the morning and there's something mm. bothering me. It's usually a personal thing of something, but I'll go and sit and start to, oh, I just did that again. <laughs> you guys could see it's, it's because you're it's, a pro. It's visual comedy here today, folks. And, uh, and, and so it'll come out and I love that feeling. But then once I start to get a glimpse of something, and maybe I will get a little feedback from someone or I'll just read it out loud to someone and I'll hear what needs to happen with it. I love the, the act of editing and rewriting. For me, that's a whole nother level of creativity. Uh, Every time a long sentence turns into three sentences. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Or, 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 or there's suddenly that moment where you get that, oh, I'll, I, I need to just add a paragraph about my 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 knee socks in high school and it'll and, and you put it in and it's like oh now this piece really has this richness to it or something i keep writing paragraphs about your knee socks in high Argyle, school right yeah of course yeah westlake <laughs> school for girls two I'm years trying to work something two years. out i'm trying to work something out <laughs> <laughs> i can pinpoint that to a moment for myself <laughs> your knee socks <laughs> Argyle? Uh, Vicky San Arcangelo. Wow. Yeah, Catholic school. That is some yeah. and, and imagination. Talk about Knee imagination. Knee what did you do with those knees? I was so young, I didn't know what are you supposed to do. <laughs> when did I you get your big boy pants? That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and we've moved on to virginity. <laughs> five dollars. You got five dollars. Uh, so um, I, here's a quote that I love from Albert Einstein. There's actually two quotes from Albert Einstein here. Um, and, and, and I love this. Logic will get you from A to Z. Imagine will, imagination will get you everywhere. Love that. And then Albert Einstein also said, I'm enough of an artist to draw freely upon my imagination. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. And, you know, as we all know, you know, you, I've listened to lots of interviews with scientists and people who, um, you know, in, inventors and people who have big aha moments. And they happen while in the shower or they happen for me driving in my car is when the big epiphanies happen. Yeah, when you get away from it. Right. When you, <laughs> when you get away from it. Like, <laughs> I think, I think part of the problem we have as a culture. Yeah. Is that we are so inundated with, uh, media imagery. Yes. Uh, with, with, uh, with, with advertisement and marketing mm -hmm. that we are being trained. We are being indoctrinated mm. not to imagine what we can do or, uh, We'll what think, we can we'll, create, we'll yes, but the, what what's we can possible. be or what we can have, right? Because we're we're being told what we want. It becomes who passive, we need to be. Yes, it's all about receiving passive imagination. Yeah, um, Nikola Tesla, mm -hmm. one of my scientific heroes, mm -hmm. would design entire generators in his head. Wow, test run them. Check them. Find out where the problems were. Fix them. Test run them again, and then build them. 
He wow. had a laboratory in his head that was Holy like a shit. about it. It was like he had a. It was a set that he just beamed to. So he and what they call that? Uh, they kind of use the term active imagination. Jung uses that term, and it is something you can actually do where you can, you know, use characters in your head and work things out. And he had this incredible, clearly active imagination to the point where he was actually. Interacting with physical things, yeah, wow, and proving their principles and proving pr- complex principles of electromagnetism. Wow! If you want to freak out a modern child, uh huh, ask them what they want to do when they grow up. Uh huh. They're so used to answering what they want to be, uh-huh. they've never put any thought into what they want to do. What they want to do when they grow all up. they all they get is access to what costume they want to wear. <laughs> mm, yeah, I want to be Batman, or I wanted to be Zorro. Zorro. You yeah. wanted to be Zorro. Yeah. One of the kids- what are you working out with that, Lorraine? Well, I like the the sword. The sword thing? And just, you know, <laughs> carving the Z into things. <laughs> I wore a sword. I wore a sword as a fashion accessory through college. Really? I did. And, God. And, and, and he was wondering why he never got laid. That, that is I when, I, when I didn't, I wore Dylan. a T-shirt that said, I have phallic insecurity. But the rest of the time, I wore the sword. Dylan, I, can I say that's kind of douchey? It was incredibly <laughs> douchey. I lived with him. I it was deeply, deeply dorky. I lived with Dylan for a bit. And Could you touch his sword? Were you allowed uh, to touch I it? I heard about it, and sometimes did you wear it with the robe? I don't think I ever wore there it. With was, the robe. No, there was often at that point I just had them on display in the visage living room. of of Dylan was wow. uh, walking through a, a, uh, the apartment with a very Hugh Hefner robe that hung down to. Pipe,ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ、ピ
how did your creativity and your imagination show up as a kid? And how, how did your family foster that or not? Or how did the damage your family do foster it? <laughs> well, more likely. <laughs> I, I had an imaginary friend. Did you? Yes. Really? His name was Billy Butler. Nice. Oh, my and gosh. he was somewhat of a nerd. Uh-huh. Um, he was really skinny and pale, with little freckles. Whoa. He wore brown corduroys and an orange and white checkered gingham button-up short sleeve with big nerdy sponge. Are you sure he wasn't Howdy Doody? Nope. Um, and he had a bowl cut and he could, his bangs were too long and I used to talk to him in the bathroom. I'd turn over the, the garbage can and Aww. we'd have our chats. You'd have a chat. Yeah. And then he would, I, apparently I used to say, no, you can't sit there at Billy Butler's thing. No, could like you? at the kitchen table. Like a real imagine. Wow. Oh, for about wow. a year. For about a year. How old were you? I was three. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. So cool. Beautiful. Crazy, right? So imaginative. So and what kind of stuff would you and Billy discuss? I don't really remember the details mm. of our conversation. But there was something important going on. There you had was. someone to talk to. I yeah. do remember, though, then he just wasn't cool enough anymore. Oh. oh. Was he older than you? Mm, they usually are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of ruining your reputation. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to school. I start kindergarten. I don't think I should probably bring you. I think that's when it was. Did you have ah. any peer pressure or any, like, did you check it out? and find out that uh, some of their, uh, your friends had discarded their imaginary friends? Or- no. I was actually shy for uh, like I was, a month. I was horribly shy too. <laughs> I was horribly shy at school. Yeah. 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 Sat on the teacher's lap for two straight weeks. And wow. Oh, yeah. my. Yeah, I had horrible separation anxiety because I- – oh. Your windscreen, her windscreen. Uh, my windscreen was hitting me on the face. Um, I, I think because I'd spent it's so much flaccid. time with my parents and then my mom was like, you're going to school. And then she like dropped me off with these strangers in this room with kids mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'd been used to going to cocktail parties. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, the and I thought mommy's not coming back. And then every day she came back and finally after two weeks, I'm like, okay, she comes back every day. I get it. Now. <laughs> Fine. All right. I won't cry on the teacher's lap every week. But yeah, I was horribly shy too. Really kind of. And then I took over the classroom immediately, right. of course. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, was like, this I had a very vivid imagination. I fantasized a lot. And I, um, we live very near the UCLA Botanical Gardens. Mm. And I would get up in the morning and walk over there in my nightgown and pretend to be Snow White. Wow. Pretend that all the, the animals were, you know, my friends. Oh. And I would sing that. You know, and God knows, I mean, if there had been some bum there or anything like that, who knows? But this was the 50s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I survived each time. But, you know, the time that my parents discovered that this was happening, my poor dad, it was always when my mom was out of town. I mean, my my twin brother got a concussion when my mom was out of town. And, you know, my parents singing Snow White. When my my mom was out of town. But, yeah, oh, I just, it was so real for me. You do realize that you and your brother were acting out when your mom went out of town, right? <laughs> no, we weren't. She was looking for a prince. My brother would, we had these stairs that, and, and there was like an overhang at the top of the stairs and Paul would jump and grab onto the overhang and swing. Of course. And then land at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. While he oh, oops. He missed. So I don't think that that was really deliberate. I think it's really special and neat that you uh, were in an um, an animated Disney film as a child, and now you do lots of animated I Disney know. voices. <laughs> when I go around in a circle. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. And, and, and then your sister is a musician and a songwriter. Yes. And so was there, were your parents in the industry? Did, were they? No, no. My mom uh, was eventually an architect. 
Hmm. And my dad uh, had Certainly a imagination. Quilt manufacturing really? Uh, factory, yeah. Wow, your dad ran a factory. Yes. Did you do plays when you were a kid? Did you jump yeah. In there? And yeah. on our, our block, uh, we actually, our, our block in our neighborhood, they wrote a play called the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater, actually. <laughs> and I was Little Bo Peep in the play. And it, we, we had it at someone's house. And the oh, whole I deal. love that. It's, I just, that like makes me all warm and fuzzy because I did, you know, sketches and I did variety shows. That mm-hmm. was my thing because, yeah. uh, of course, I grew up on variety shows. And Carol Burnett's daughter, Carrie Hamilton, was my best friend at Westlake. Oh, my God. And so we would, you know, write out these variety shows, sketches, and we'd have music and we'd do circus and we'd have animals and well, there were stuffed animals, but yes, yeah, but wow. you know, that was, I always thought that was my fate was to be the variety show you girl. You have a cast available to you at any time. Uh, this <laughs> is true. I, and I still long for that. And I've been, I've been seeking the right kind of, you know, who knows, who knows that maybe that's what this mm-hmm. podcast turns into. Who knows? Who we could do a radio knows? show. We could do, we could do a Carlin Home Companion. <laughs> Oh boy. I was just up in Portland and I did a hipster uh, Prairie Home Companion. It's called Live Wire Radio. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of that. It's really cool. You sh- you all need to go up there and do it because you're all performers. You could all do it. And it's uh, they have a musician. They have usually an author of some kind. And then they have some sort of live performer who does stand-up or sp- spoken word or something like that. And then the same theater – um, you can do your show, uh, the next night or the night after, and it's like the same audience and they help you produce it. It's really a great deal. But the live wire radio, it was, it was like, oh, variety show that works. Like I know, you know, people have been searching for that and certainly on television, it hasn't worked for 20 years mm. or so. Um, or maybe longer. Well, it's maybe. kind of I mean, America's Got Talent. It's 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 a combination of freak show and yeah. variety. Show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the judging element in. Mm. Which is, yeah, it's got to turn so into re- off the island. Right, exactly. It's got to turn into that with a judging panel or yeah, something I'm like that. I'm surprised they put all the contestants in a house yet. <laughs> I don't understand how there was art for so many centuries before they figured out how to make it competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that is the American way. That This is something America has brought to art. Well, competition. singing for your supper is not a new expression. <laughs> that is that true. A, that is true. I you mean, know. you think of the, the, the wandering minstrels. I mean, that's what they basically did is they went and they put on a show. And yeah, they, but it was never three minstrels who show up and then one of them gets kicked out of the pub. <laughs> and Michelangelo wins having painted, what, 16 chapels? Again. <laughs> Fucking Michelangelo. He always wins. He's funded. <laughs> It's because that's the thing. Fun. He's fun. That, that's right. The pope, the pope was behind him the whole time. Oh, and right. I don't mean physically. Oh, we yeah, should hope not. I hope not. And my mind went there, too. Of course it did. We're that. dirty, dirty girls. We are dirty girls. I've met the pope, and all he likes is really Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble. But he plays in Latin. He hardly even he plays in Latin and he wears the big hat. And That's the not fair. It's not fair at all when he plays in Latin. I hate that. But he has those stacker potato chips in <laughs> Just <laughs> under his hat, you like some? <laughs> Pringles, Pope's Pringles. They're totally under the Pope's Pringles, and the they Eucharist also chips. serve That's as Eucharist. <laughs> there you go. You're right ahead of me. Are you price with sour cream and onion? <laughs> <laughs> My sister and I be like Doritos, plenty of rice, ranch flavored. <laughs> That's very funny. I very much like that. I'm going to another quote because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> oh, um, 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 um. Oh, Ursula oh, who said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Kelly did over and over again. Ursula K. Le Guin, is that how you say her that name? That is how you say her name. I have the, never the, read her. The author heard... of the brilliant Earthsea trilogy. Yes. Uh, She's a the, fantasy writer, right? The fantasy and science fiction. Yeah. Uh, the Dispossessed, a yeah. wonderful science fiction. A woman's fiction science fiction writer. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. like, oh, and yeah. like the, like, never heard the of queen it. of it. Like, she her is. And Mary and Zimmer Bradley are the. Yeah, the, the two, big, the two big ones. Yeah. Her quote uh, about all of this is, truth is a matter of the imagination. Well, we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> and and yet there it seems to be some people on the planet, uh, many different types of people, people who are more dogmatic, may I say, who believe that truth only comes in one package. So um, what the fuck's up with that? Well, well Richard Feynman talks about <laughs> the idea that the mind is taking – waves that it is perceiving traveling in all these different directions all the time and constructing from it right an imagined room around us an imagined set of of audio signals that it's all about imagination right uh interpreting what is being perceived through well i mean and, and and yes exactly i was reading something about eyes and that uh, actually Howard Bloom, if you guys don't know Howard Bloom, he's this amazing, amazing writer. It's it's a it's a commitment to read his stuff. He's got something called Genius of the Beast. He's now written a new book called The God Problem, and it's not out yet, but he snuck me a copy of it. I'm reading it. He's one of these minds. Talk about imagination. Oh, my Lord. This man's amazing. But he's got a section. He's talking about constructing reality and that your eyes. So there's receptors in your eyes. And part of your, eye, your the receptors in your eyes are actually competing for the truth. So, so the receptor will receive some light, and then what it does is it tells the other receptors around it, "Hey, I've got it. Don't look anymore." And so now it's just this one, and then en- enough of those do that. So you're only getting a partial construct. I read an excerpt of this. Uh, there's a website called Delancey Place that does paragraphs from books. I've read read that excerpt. Yeah, That's amazing. It, yeah. it is, and and that, and then of course the optic nerve takes this information into the brain. The brain then constructs the picture of it, and and so and so we all get that there's some objective reality. I mean, we all see that this is a pen and this is a book and all of Ooh, that. Kind you're of, making assumptions. We right, all get uh, that right. objective reality. But, but see, really, right? That's the thing. Is now I heard a story once, and I don't know if this is true. There were some natives in some land somewhere, and when the Spanish galleon ships showed up, they couldn't see them because they had never had anything like that in their. In their makeup of their mind yet, and so they almost is is that a real thing or did I did I read this? No, is no, this? that's that's a, a I, I've heard it said a number of different ways, but it's like they it's like we couldn't see the forest or the trees. No They're, point of reference. They had no, no point, point of, of reference. reference. So right. these things were in front of them that they just didn't even really they didn't even notice. Right, right. So no point of reference. So this is a really important thing. And you were talking about the media, like it's all points of reference now. We have like if you watch television and, and or take in everything. Everything is referencing everything else. There's no place where you can go where there's no point of reference. And that leaves no room for imagination. Right. For the, for the expression of imagination. Yeah. There is only the reception. Yeah. And this is worrying. I mean, how are we going to solve the big shit that needs to be solved? I mean, are, are, I'm guessing there are people who shut their TV off and don't give a shit and well, are in labs somewhere. Too. Hasn't this helped? 
hasn't the internet helped like make people at least like go into more of an auditory place where they're they're able to once again listen at, at uh, you know for longer stretches of time? Uh, yeah, you hopefully, know, it's a new like a new but old practice. And, and we still don't even know really. I think the effect of all of this media and certainly the internet on the human psyche, like the evolution of like how is it evolving us? If you've ever tried to watch a movie on TV at home with your teenager mm-hmm. who also has their cell phone, right. I I I would love to ask my daughter uh, after watching you know Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, have her tell me what it was about. Yeah. You know, in between the texts. Yeah. So, she, the, so, so I keep saying, you know, please, how, how are you going to know? I, I got it. Yeah. I got it. You uh, know, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Younger friends that watch films, but it's a different thing now. Like if I say, did you catch that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Oh, what, did you remember? The, no. I mean, because there's all this other stuff, all the multitasking yeah. going on at the same time. That when I think, did you watch a movie? It's giving your full attention to it because that's what I grew up doing and right. seeing them on screen and when they came to video or they came to HBO I still shut everybody out mm-hmm. to watch that thing as best I could. Absolutely. I feel bad for them a little bit like the millennial generation because it's not really their fault in a way. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, That's what they're it's grown the up by. They're right? yeah, that's the universe well, they were born into. Yeah. It's funny that you would think you should because you know, my parents felt they should feel sorry for us. My mom always said that to me. I think we had a much more fun had, time growing up. It's we true, had television, they had radio and film. Yeah. And and their parents felt, you know, oh, you're seeing these people on film. We had vaudeville. Mm. And their parents said, you know, oh, you've got these groups of people who come and do it on a stage. We used to have to play well, violin. We, we needed a line. Sunday tea dance. You have to meet online. But the country back then was a, a hands-on country. And those people were all had, you know, for the most part, had jobs like making things, creating things, physical, actual physical things, and we have moved so much more into the intellectual and, and into, in, into the the newest sphere, the as newest sphere, uh, they call along it, with outsourcing, right. where it's like, mm, okay, I can see how, in, to some degree, that there's something there. And yet, in this in this wonderful new intellectual world we have, we have such. <laughs> rampant into anti-intellectualism. Yeah, yeah. Yes, well, yeah. yeah, especially well, in this country. In your mind, but don't think. Yeah, that's that's certainly this country. And uh, I was uh, last year. I was at this conference. It's called the Amazing Meeting. Tam and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was there. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, amazing human! And he talked about the understanding that the people who are going to get us to Mars, because there's a lot Howard Bloom is another person who really believes that our future is off planet ultimately. Mm-hmm. And we have to start imagining that reality. Stephen Hawking said that as well, but then I realized it's impossible to tell when he's being sarcastic. <laughs> it's so true. That's a great joke. And, and he said the people right now in junior high are people who, could be go- who could be on Mars in 30 years or you know 20 whatever it is and and it's like you have to put into their imagination that it's possible and that it's a, a real viable future and so there, there's something about seeding imagination right. you know and 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 getting people to see that it's it the, the whole world is not my fucking iPhone you know or whatever and 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 and, and I, one of the things I kind of love about the time we live in is that because nothing is working (laughs) in every institution, it really is a time for the quantum leap, possibly. Who knows? Well, that is if the seven people who own everything in the world... (laughs) 
if that's worth it to them to allow that. To happen. Wait, no, Lorraine, it's only three people. Oh, okay. Where'd There's you been get, a consolidation you get in the seven? time we were talking. Well, I guess they must have eaten the other four. Right. Yes, or at they least did. their faces. That's an early, that's a callback to a very the early Florida pre, story. pre, pre radio joke. Oh, God. Pre radio show oh, joke. Yeah, oh, my God. The it's the beginning the of the zombie apocalypse. So, so a, a person who eats a face. Naked. Yes. Sir. How is imagination connected to that? Well, he, he's, he just thought of something. If he's really hungry. <laughs> Here's what they say. He's like the there's nothing on, there's nothing on the highway there's but nothing. cement. There's nothing I ain't jerky again. <laughs> well, that was I an organic fresh. thing there's, and that was protein. There's nothing in the refrigerator. No. It's like when the cartoon well, he was like the dog looks and then all of a sudden it, the yeah, person so like a chicken wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought dogs were, were going to be served. We're back to the cartoon. We are. All goes back to cartoons. It does. It does. Because that's where our imagination is. You know, you're talking about generations demonizing technology of the day. Um you know, like my parents were just, you're sitting in front of that tube all the time, you know, and I love TV. Yes. I love watching TV. Yeah. And I've learned a lot from TV. And so one has to assume is it also as if, you know, what you're saying about put, planting a seed in the minds of, of kids whose generation will probably be on another planet I guess we have to just embrace the idea mm-hmm. that these all these things pulling at one's attention is going to be de rigueur. Is yeah, you know, we just have to probably yeah. accept that, and that it will be something that is good. Yes, and beyond something that we can imagine, because you think a hundred years ago, or even fifty years ago. Maybe there was a couple of people who could imagine. I mean, you think about Leonardo da Vinci and what he could imagine and the drawings he was making of helicopters. Helicopters, yeah. You know, know, and stuff like that. It's like there are people that have that capability to not be afraid to say, this is in my mind and and this could be a possibility. And they're rare. Those are rare people. I don't think they're as rare as, uh, to Mm -hmm. quote Einstein, Mm -hmm. everybody is a genius. Mm -hmm. But if you judge a fish based on his ability to climb a tree, he's going to spend his life thinking he's stupid. Yes. So that gets back to following your obsession. Yeah. And letting your obsession lead you towards your genius. There's actually a definition of genius. The uh, the old in the old Greek, um, a, a gentleman named um, Hillman, James Hillman, who's a uh, he was not a an archetype, I love his not a gentleman. archetypal depth <laughs> psychologist. He kind of took up where Jung left off, and he writes a book. Uh, uh, it's based on something he calls the Acorn Theory, and I'm trying to remember the name of the book right now. And he talks about this word genius uh, is associated with a word called daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N. And everyone is born with their daemon, which is their genius. It's the thing that your soul is here to express. It's it's the obsession. Uh, and, and it's not always conscious, you know, you know, there's some kids at five years old are building rocket ships and they know they're going to be going to the moon. And then there's people like me that at 30 wake up and go, gee, I think I need to be somebody. There's that, but there's that, it's that haunting, aching something inside of you that pushes you forward and obsesses you sometimes to paint paintings that look like little cities and sometimes to be like Tesla, who, oh my God, is building shit in his head and figuring it out. And education in this world, 
you know, unless you're going to Waldorf, basically, <laughs> yeah. doesn't, I mean, it's all about, I you know. I love the salads they learned to make. Yes, the little grapes in them, they're, they're lovely. James Hillman. Yeah. I like the hotel. James Hillman mayonnaise. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to reel it all in. Oh, yeah, it'll be a big bow at the end. Big, <laughs> oh, huge bow. Um, but the, the, you know, the, if education is really all about A, B, C, D, or E and fill in the fucking bubble thing. And no art class or PE. No art, no PE, no music, no moving your body, no, uh, And don't think it undermines the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's engaging. Like the imagination needs to be engaged. Yeah. And, and, and letting kids have their obsessions, letting these little minds, attached to something and and follow it through and find out what it's like to to begin with something and then be in the middle of it and maybe a little lost in the process and then find your way to the end of it. Well, well but- how on earth is that going to be quantified so that we can decide which teachers to fire? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And that would make them entrepreneurial in some sense, and then that would compete with the three people that own everything. That's right. I'm sorry, it's down to two. We're down to two. Since the last time you brought it up. Okay. It's true. You remember the good teachers you had. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure we all could sit around and talk about those two or three teachers that mm-hmm. still yes. stick out in our minds that yep. really had such a great impact on our creativity or how, however. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I know for myself, it was, it was Dr. Palai and he mm. was a science teacher at Montessori and he just had this way of just in, he was Indian too. And he had this way of engaging, uh, your, your mind and your, your spirit in some way he could engage your spirit. And, uh, I remember he, he, I, he wanted me to learn the word, um, and I'm totally forgetting it right now, but it's, it's not synchronicity, but it's, um, synergy. Ser- serendipity. serendipity. He said, you have to understand the concept of serendipity. This was my science teacher. I was, uh, 10 or 11. No, no, no. Oh, uh, I don't know. Ancient because everyone older. over 10 was old. Yes. <laughs> he was 30. But, but yeah, those, pe- those people that spark something in you and saw your spark. There's something about the spark, seeing, having someone recognize your spark, because that's your daemon, that's your genius. Did you have someone like that, Chris? Many. Many? I, I, I had a number of, of teachers, I'm sure, like a number, maybe three, four. I don't that know is a number. number. It was that, a number. that is a number, yes. They so, all yeah, run the world now. But what you brought up just uh, makes me think about the willingness or the desire for um, these other people or the interest these other people have in following their, is it, how do you pronounce it? Damon? Damon. Yeah. They're yeah, Damon. They're, Damon. So they're, Damon. they're open to it. Yeah, they're Matt Damon. <laughs> they're Matt Damon. Yes. Like you know what he enjoys? Salads a Waldorf salad. It all comes together. It's one big bow. It's true. It is. We're just taking what we got. <laughs> trying what, to build it it's what we do here. But yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, like the, um, the desire to learn the uh, intelligence with an erection. I've got to go that way. Yeah, I might well, we started. Something stupid that might be fun, but I'll learn something from it. Yeah. Well, because yeah, I share a little bit about myself, my accident. Yeah, a little bit. Well, we want that. That's yeah. we encourage it, Chris. Forty-five <laughs> degrees to the sun. Doesn't I think in Outliers, the uh, Malcolm um, uh, Gladwell, Gladwell, he talks about the anatomy of genius also, and it, it really does talk about um, it being. Just the hours that someone puts into something, yes. that's obsession. Yes, you know? absolutely. It's, it's and not practical practice as well. Yeah. Well, the practical practice Creating is a, a result of someone's desire and obsession 
they're not being forced to do it. They want to do it. Yes. Because it is their passion, their obsession. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it is the same so thing. So driven, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there no is, aptitude is an element of it, but it is also the obsession, the focus, the fascination. Well, it has and, to be there. And it's, it's great because, you know, aptitude is important because, um, I know like just doing in my solo show, just getting more literal hours and minutes on a stage and mm-hmm. getting that in my body so that the visceral experience of being on a stage isn't the thing that my whole body is going through, which is, holy fuck, I'm on a stage right now. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here? But I'm actually being able to think, starting to think on stage and to watch myself and to, and to play in the moment. And so there, so yeah, so aptitude then like gives you a whole nother room to walk into with your own genius, imagination, creativity and, and, and a room that you didn't imagine before because it was all about, I just got to memorize the words and put my feet in the right place and, and, you know, and get the words right and all that kind of stuff. And, and now there's this whole other playground and, and it's, and it and it takes you on a ride then i mean that's a whole nother part when like the creative process hijacks you for its pleasure almost it feels like i had that happen in tempe arizona at the improv just about four weeks back five weeks back and it scared the shit out of me <laughs> shit it's one of the words the seven thing but uh by the way, if you can find that uh, where uh, George wrote that, if you could uh, send that by Facebook to Kelly and point out <laughs> yeah, that you found it on the internet. You know, Put it, it was, in her friend box. It was it was such an expansive expansive experience. Yes. And I wanted to repeat it for the next show. I know. And I wanted to repeat for oh. the show after that. And I didn't tape. And then I found it afterwards they taped. But I was... I, I felt myself like I, I always loved on Star Trek when when uh, uh, Spock played three level chess. Yes, you know it's like right. He's making move it's not back to the bottom. Yeah, right? he's just like that far ahead of everyone who's playing. You know, and that was one of those expansive moments, moments where I was like, oh, every, all, all the experiences I've had is coming into play right now. I'm watching it at a timing. Oh, there's a time. And then yeah. I was also a little nuts, like with a little manic, yeah, which I've been wanting to unleash, and right. I didn't care, right? And it was like, huh. How do I, but part of me is like, how's this going to, how am I going to happen? How's it going to happen again? Right. So, but then I yep. have to get there again. Yeah. So the obsession or whatever is going to, you know, it's part of the evolution of, of performing, yep. I guess. But, oh, it was so elusive. Wow. Wow. It was so elusive. It was, yeah. And it's that slippery thing, <laughs> that live performance slippery thing. How do I recreate the experiment? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I wonder if Tesla had those moments. He's, He's like, how do I get monsters. to the moment where I, do I get to the moment where I can build the thing again and. Can I recreate that, you know, that peak moment? That's part of the reason it's so special and such a high because it's like happening once. And yeah. It's just like, boom. You know, you can't repeat that again because it happened. There's yeah. an audio recording mm-hmm. of Bill Hicks sitting in a hotel room at one point, miserable, just sort of talking into a tape recorder about how he thinks he's forgotten how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there is wow. any creative person on the planet yes. who doesn't go through I don't know. Every time I start writing something, too. my wife Every has to time. promise me that I haven't forgotten how. Exactly. It's like, what, do I know how to do this again? And then you do a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, it's still there. But then it's it's so experiential. I mean, uh, in Sid Caesar's autobiography, I guess, mm. um, he said if you're, a, if you're a sketch comic, you are a sketch comic. You right. have to be doing it yes. to be it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. you can do it and say, huh, but I should be doing you know, stand-up now, tomorrow, all of that, right. and then 
it, it then it, it, it does builds exist. It, it builds, builds on itself as yeah. you are, you know, back to that thing where you just said you have to be reminded that you can do this. Mm-hmm. I think that's what keeps the fire in the belly going. Cause if you walk in there, it's just, what I'm doing, yeah. you know, then it's just yeah. like, you're not really in the moment and you're almost in a way phoning it in. Cause we've seen those kind of performers and it doesn't ever have the same sort of the spark. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, l- listening to, there's this great, uh, NPR show called to the best of our knowledge. I think it's Wisconsin public radio. Mm-hmm. You can download and archive their stuff. And they had a whole show on imagination. They just like have amazing topics, creative pairs, mother issues, brainstorm. I mean, all sorts of really cool things. And uh, someone told a story about Dylan, not Dylan Brody, Bob Dylan. And uh, this was, he was, uh, he'd become the famous, famous folk guy. Like really, he was Bob Dylan, the folk guy, early 60s. And he just was done with it. He mm-hmm. just couldn't do it anymore. He didn't want to do it anymore. And so he called his team and managers or whatever it was at the time. And he was this, he was the guy at all the folk festivals and everything. And he said, I'm quitting music. I'm not doing it. And he moved up to Woodstock and he decided he was going to paint all summer. He spent four days painting and he wrote the song, the Rolling Stone song. What's the, the like, like a, a Rolling Stone. he wrote like yeah. a ro- four days later. Because he had let go of this thing he had to let go of in order to go to the next place of his genius. And and, and that song's about pretension. Ah. You know, I right. mean, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just about Dylan, everybody. <laughs> like a rolling stone. <laughs> And and he broke all the rules in that writing that song. It's six minutes long. It's it's this. It's not a love song. It's not this. And it became the template for much of what came after in rock and roll. And and yet and so he had to have the balls, the courage to walk away from some form of what he had become in order to become who he was meant to be or something like that. I, I don't even it's, know. It's interesting. My my almost 21-year-old wrote a paper on Bob Dylan, and it was called Bob Dylan Must Die. Mm. And what she postulated was that he created this folk persona, but the real um, persona of these characters in these songs, these were down-and-out people. They were, you know, the Okies and the Dust Bowl yep. and all of that. And he couldn't be that person. Yes. There was nothing in his, his background. He, he, he didn't match the sociology of those people. Right. And the only way that he could was by dying. Right. You know? yeah. It was a, an incredible paper. Wow. Well, that's like great. He died to himself to like make, to be reborn again with a yeah. new, yeah. a new impulse. Yeah. You know? I mean, when he, was it Don't Look Back? The, the, the uh, documentary talks about when he started, he switched to electric, electric. guitar. Mm-hmm. Yes, him off the I stage. know. Hated him. Yeah, yeah. He was almost attacked. I think he was fi- almost physically attacked by fans after the show. They like had to escort him into his car. He said something that I found incredible. They attacked him with you. macrame. That's so so ineffective. Really, really a pot, a plant pot, but it still hurts. Same thing. Still hurts. Plant holder, hanger, hanger. Thank you. I have no words today. I have no words. My genius is gone. The words of missing. Damon. My Damon is here. It's burning inside. D-A-E. I think it's D-A-E. It is D-A-E. D-A- or A-I also. It's the, yeah, but D-A-E, yeah. Um, uh, so we have to wrap it up here. Believe it or really? not, we are done. Who 
boy. I know. Imagine that, people. Please watch the movie. Uh, look it up online to find the PBS version of it, The Lathe of Heaven. The la- How do you spell that? The Lathe? L-A-T-H-E. Oh, The Lathe. Like is an actual Lathe. It is, is Ursula, Ursula, Ursula Gwynn, yeah. and there's a great interview with her afterwards. Okay. Um, and um, it's the guy who played Tron. Is the What's the actor? Jeff Bridges? No, the, the one. Oh, the younger. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Boxleitner, a very young version of him. And he his dreams became reality. Ooh. And wow. so a psychologist um, starts trying to manipulate his dreams to fit his idea of reality. Uh, and it's it's about the imagination. Wow. About is this an older this movie? This is homework. It's an older movie, and they Listeners, remade it again. This I is homework. Say, with Stephen Weber. And the, and the, or, or, some, or, or maybe, no, that, that was the show. The Stephen Weber? But the Stephen Weber. <laughs> but, uh, no, they, they made, it, uh, they made a, a newer version of it, but the original is just, it, it's And the raw. title again? The Lathe of Heaven. The Lathe of <laughs> Heaven. Bless you. Waldorf salad in that movie. Was there Waldorf? Yeah. Was there? No. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry about but that. But we're loud going one. to the Waldorf Astoria okay. after this for a drink. I'll bring my show. is getting better. <laughs> All right, everyone. I want to thank uh, thank my beautiful octagon discussion table: Lorraine Newman, Dylan Brody, Aaron Brown, Chris Bono. I want to thank Logan Heftel for being here for pushing buttons. <laughs> Logan's getting an applause. I want to thank uh, my gorgeous coral tree just outside the window here. It's pretty damn gorgeous. And there's Phoebe's. Uh, there's a nest of Phoebe's on my lamp out here. And the Phoebe mom's been very patient with us. The door's been opened. I don't think she's been feeding the last hour and a half. Um, uh, so please come find me on Twitter. And please come find me on Facebook. But really just like me. Just like me on Facebook. I actually carry around a button with me now. Just it, just push, says like. it says like. That's just very nice. That just, like, just, just like me, please. Uh, because I will not friend you. If you want to find the Conan painting, yeah. you can find me at Twitter uh, at, at Bonoman, B-O-N-N-O-M-A-N. Yes, we have uh, we have an Aaron is at Hot Red Carpet, and Dylan is at Dylan Brody, and Lorraine's not on the Twitter yet, are you? I'm not on the Twitter. No, yet. she's not on the Twitter. We'll have to work on that. And of Robert course, Altman's not on the cool. Twitter. Do you know why? He's dead. He can't do anything with fewer than 140 characters. <laughs> It's well done, Dylan. Uh, and Logan is also on the Twitter at Logan Heftel, H-E-F-T-E-L. Uh, next week, I have no idea who my guest is. It could be a call-in show for all I know. We haven't done that yet. It is live. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe I should do something about that. Thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you, uh, Smodcast, all the great people, uh, Will and Ken and, and Kevin and Jen, his wife and, do yeah. You thank Kevin for giving me a lovely intro two years ago. I never got a chance to do that. Yeah. Kevin won't hear this podcast, but you can thank Kevin oh, for that. Yeah. He, 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 I don't think he listens to all this. Right. I don't know. Uh, Kevin, come to my show in July. Oh, my show, uh, Carlin Home Companion at Santa Monica Playhouse at the end of July. Come find me at kellycarlin.com for all things Kelly Garland. Uh, we're going to go out now with, uh, what are we going to go out with, Logan? Let's do more Alan Stone. All right. Unaware. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up with a little more Alan Stone. What's the name of this one? Unaware. Unaware. Perfect. Nice. God bless America.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.